with us on a journey into the unknown, the unexplained, and the unbelievable. We will test your senses and challenge your beliefs. A world where science and religion clash. Or do they? You will meet real people and hear real stories, but you will not believe. You will witness strange sights and hear strange sounds, but you will not believe. This is the New England Ghost Project. Welcome to the Good evening, everyone, and welcome to another edition of Ghost Chronicles International. I am Ron Kolick, your host, the gatekeeper to the realm of the unknown, the unexplained, and the unbelievable New England's own Van Helsing. And I am broadcasting live from Minnie's house, and uh, that's the story, the Raven's house, excuse me. Anyways, all the way from across the pond is my co-host, the star of Japanese TV, Mr. Steve Parsons. Konnichiwa, konbanwa. Yeah. Doshosono. Anyways, uh, just got to watch. You ever see Eye in the Sky? Do I ever see Eye in the Sky? No. Did you What's ever that? see Eye in the Sky? What is it? It's a movie. No. It's it's about, actually it was uh, it was pretty cool. It was about uh, after World War II, the Japanese, I mean the uh, Germans fled to the dark side of the new moon and built the base there. And I read the book. Did you really? I've they read the book. book on it? Yeah, yeah. It, it started out as one of those ridiculous sci-fi novels. You know, those folded up paperback things that you shove down the side of your chair after you've read. Yeah. Yeah, I know the one. Nazis on the dark side of the moon. Hey, yeah. they, found a Lon- they found a London bus on the other side of the moon once, according to, was it... Uh, uh, what, the World oh, Report? Oh, yeah, the, one, of the, one of those periodicals that you see in supermarkets. The Sun, yeah. the Daily News. Yeah, uh, yeah something, the National Enquirer. Um, National yeah, there was a London Fire. bus. Yeah, they found a London bus on the dark side of the moon. On the London God only, bus on the dark side of the moon, right? Yep, God only knows how that got there. Aliens. Uh, well, I'm sure they abducted it. Come on, you know. leave a so London I, bus. Oh, there's probably a Malaysian Boeing Travel Seven over there now as well. You know, I was just thinking that, Steve. I mean, that's pretty bizarre in itself. Uh, and, and for those who don't know, we're waiting for our guests to uh, connect with the uh, station. Yeah, um, the medium's not here due to unforeseen circumstances. If we, we all, you know, like you said, if we all join hands and think real hard, we can probably connect with them and uh, have them call in. But anyway. no, 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 we tried that. You just no, gave it a go. We tried no, ghost box. Try it on the ghost box. <laughs> no, it didn't work either. Didn't work, huh? No. Oh, that's a shame. Anyway, um, so I guess now for people, when I opened up the show, we talked about, a little bit about um, you being a star of Japanese TV. So... Uh, for those who don't know, that the Japanese PBS went over to the UK um, this past summer, and they, they did a documentary with uh, Parascience, is that correct? That's perfectly correct. Last, uh, uh, last July, um, mm-hmm. we, we filmed uh, over three days at Margham Castle in uh, southwest Wales, a, yeah. science, a pure science-focused documentary on the methods used uh, for spontaneous case field investigation ghost hunting um <clears throat> now obviously they went away to japan and they they edited it and it was uh, broadcast uh, towards the end of january and then it was uh, repeated a couple of times after that 
and then put onto the uh, NHK television iPlayer uh, for download. Uh, we had the viewing figures emailed to us yesterday, and it exceeded 16 million for show one and 11 million for the subsequent two repeats. And they said, um, I haven't got the exact quote, <clears throat> but the number of downloads was extraordinary and unprecedented and was the highest number of downloads for any documentary they'd had. Um, so that was quite quite good. We haven't actually seen it. We're waiting for discs to be sent. Uh, they mm-hmm. have arrived. In, but, um, of course, we won't have a clue what's going on because the entire thing uh, will be narrated uh, in Japanese. So, Really? Yeah. So, uh, I mean, obviously we have an idea of what's going on because we were there. So, I mean, uh, I know years back uh, a German uh, crew came over and did uh, a, a documentary on the New England Ghost Project. And, uh, but I was able to see it online. Um, we, we tried that, but unfortunately uh, the way these uh, downloader iPlayer type things work, uh, the Japanese one for NHK, the PBS television channel in Japan, is a regional um, iPlayer, and we can't actually get it in the UK or the US. Uh, so we're, we're reliant on DVDs being posted out. Right. In, in fact, uh, the Germans I know sent us a copy of them, and I still have it, which is kind of cool because it's, it's us, but we're all speaking German. Well, that's the thing. We're all waiting to see whether we'll be uh, subtitled or whether we'll be dubbed um, and oh, oh you don't know. Yeah, they actually dubbed uh, dubbed me, which was interesting. Yeah, you know, we, be we, like, uh, Leo, come and see us now, now. Yeah, we're waiting to see how how it comes across. Uh, we've been on Japanese uh, in 2007, I think it was. We filmed another uh, documentary for Japanese television, uh, yeah, and the filming of that the filming of that took place over an entire week. Uh, when we saw the results of that, um, we had been dubbed. And there was a narrator over the top, a very excitable narrator over the top. Um, and it was, it, 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 I mean, televisually, you know, it, it, we were doing what we were doing, but we haven't got a clue what they were saying we were doing. You know, they could have been saying we were ice skating. Um, so we're, we're waiting for the discs to be sent out. But we're really pleased with the viewing figures and obviously um, pleased that uh, we'd sort of surpassed their expectations. And there's an embryonic plan now for further follow-up um, programs to be made. And some of the ideas include, uh, I don't know if you've seen in the media, the, para, uh, the, the uh, media in, over the last few months, there's been a huge increase in the number of people in Japan in the areas that were affected by the, is it the 2011 tsunami. Uh, that they have been reporting ghosts. And uh, Tokyo... I think it's a Tahaku University professor um, has been studying uh, these reports. And I think there's, there's some interest in the idea that they don't actually have paranormal investigators in Japan. It's, it's something that's not really within their culture. Uh, they they have haven't made it yet? They, they, haven't, they have a different cultural approach to, to ghosts and spirits in Japan. In fact, when we were working with them in, in, uh, on the first uh, program, some years ago, we we were quite surprised that uh, the Japanese film crew were actually quite frightened of of ghosts, orai um, as they call them, mm-hmm. uh, and they were. I think they were really quite surprised that 
in the West, we were actively seeking out these these spirits, which in Japan are considered to be hostile to the living, and right. to be placated and at all co- you know wherever possible avoided. And yet we we go out and actively seek them. Now in the in the five or six years between the two uh, documentaries that we filmed, there does seem to be a sea change within Japanese culture, and that they're more receptive to the idea of. This, these phenomena, these human experiences being studied. Um, and now, you know, this, this is almost uh, unprecedented in Japanese culture that this Tahaku University professor has gone out and surveyed the population in the tsunami-affected areas and discovered that many people are having uh, apparitional experiences and other, you know, related uh, types of paranormal experience. And they don't have any expertise in, in investigating it, of course. That, you know, we are 200 years, we've got 200 years head start and a cultural difference. So I'm keeping my fingers crossed that it might, you know, you never know, might, might involve a, a wee trip, hopefully not with Malaysian Airlines, but it might involve a trip to Japan. Really? Now, the interesting thing, when they contacted you to do your special, they actually... Uh, I was actually in contact with them as well. In fact, she's still on my Skypes. And for some reason, we didn't connect. We were going to do it. They were going to come over here prior to you coming over there. And something happened. I'm not sure what happened on their end or my end. I'm really not sure. But uh, it didn't pan out, which would have been cool because it would have been uh, the both of us from two different continents. And that would have been kind of interesting as well. Well, there is, uh, as I understand it, there is an American sequence in the program because after they'd filmed in the UK, the team went over to the US for, I think it was three or four weeks, and Ah. were filming. Now, I understand, um, although I wasn't obviously privy to the American segment, that most of the American segment was academic-related. And indeed, whilst they were here in the UK, they they did uh, a sequence of filming at Northampton University with Cal. Um, and the academic department, uh, you know, parapsychology department at Northampton University. So it was a it was a broad spectrum. Um, and what what they how that then was edited down is the uh, it, it, it was condensed into one sixty minute program, which dealt with the entire topic. So of course, our segment of field investigation would have formed one third of that, or, or one half of that. We're not sure. Um, mm-hmm. And then they're making from that a re-edited 90-minute version and uh, two shorter versions which are specific, sort of related uh, to... So they're still re-editing the next versions of it from the original footage. Uh, So there will be a longer program, which I guess will go into more detail in some areas, and then there will be a program specifically about parapsychology and specifically about specifically about field investigation. So um, they, 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 a huge amount of uh, detail that went into the program. But in terms of, I mean, I've, I've worked with documentary crews before uh, from Discovery, from National Geographic uh, and other broadcasters. Um, and I have to say the Japanese were thorough beyond belief. Um, they went into every detail and they double-checked and they treble-checked um, every every last detail with us Um, Mm. and in fact even after we'd finished filming I think there were still well over 50 or 60 emails um, 
were they were checking what type of equipment, what were the measurements, what were the precise order of the measurements, who was where, what happened then. So um, on this investigation, what did they actually, what was the purpose of it and what did they actually shoot, I guess, would be the question. It's essentially, um, it was, uh, we were given a blank sheet of paper and what they wanted uh, was to see an example of a science-focused investigation of a haunted location. Uh, so uh, what then happened is um, we, we selected the location, we worked with them over, over the location details, uh, and then we, we just went about our normal investigative process. And they, they had uh, the director, sound man, cameraman, uh, two cameramen, and they just followed us round, literally, and didn't get in the way, didn't, didn't change anything. They, uh, there were some sequences that were filmed once or twice so that they could get the shots. Mm-hmm. But, they, but that wasn't set up in any way. It was just that we'd already done it, and then they wanted a different camera perspective of it, and could we repeat what we'd just done? So, for example, uh, we arrived, we would brief the team, and then the team were placed out. Uh, equipment which was minimal but was used, was set up. They wanted to film that. And, of course, those sort of sequences, um, we set up a camera, they, they get one set of shots of it, and then, oh, can you just basically do it again? Um, so they were reshooting uh, segments, but they weren't altering in any way the investigative process. And we had complete control over the investigation. And, in fact, throughout the night, every time... Uh, they want over the nights. It was shot over over two nights and a day. Uh, we didn't just investigate by night. Um, we had we had the location effectively to ourselves for two and a half days, and we wanted specifically to conduct the investigation uh, over a twenty four hour cycle. But that was split into two periods because uh, it was felt to go right through on a twenty four hour continuous run would be unfair to the small investigative team that was used, plus also the broadcast team, um, because they obviously needed to to obtain shots around what we were doing, so they would have had to work extended hours. So what we did is uh, a 14-hour, then we had a six-hour off, and then we did a 10-hour um, to cover the, the, the around the clock. But they didn't interfere with us. Um, whenever... Uh, we were doing something, they would come up and, is it all right if we photograph this? Is it all right if, if our cameraman goes here? Uh, can we, can we, uh, would we be interfering with you if we sent, you know, the sound man to this point? Uh, because we had to, we, we'd made it clear that we need to know, we have to have control of the location uh, because we can't just have people walking about during an investigation uncontrolled. Uh, so we had control of, of their movements also. Uh, so it was a pretty ideal situation, right? So and hopefully, it, hopefully it'll come out. Yeah, and uh, I, I just been informed by Nori that our guest should be uh, online uh, But anyway, uh, so did you find anything? I guess that would be the best question. Um, well. We were able to offer a possible explanation as to some of the phenomena that are commonly reported at Margam. Um, but 
I'll be honest, we didn't anticipate finding anything. Um, our our aim, if you like, was to uh, project a demonstration of how a science-focused investigation takes place, rather than um, you know seek. If you go along to do an investigation, you are you're seeking to answer questions, and and we did. Uh, you know that was one of our missions too, but it was secondary to the the needs of the film crew. Um, so we were you know mindful of the fact that we needed to demonstrate our techniques, and we needed to provide a rationale for why we're doing certain things. And there are ghost boxes in the background now. So something like a ghost box, didn't it? Evidently, we do have, I guess. So without further ado, I'd like to introduce to you uh, medium and air communicator, Andrew Grant. Andrew, are you there? Andrew? Oh, hi. Yeah, hi. Can you hear me okay? Uh, a little loud. Yeah, can you hear me? Yes, you can. Okay, can you hear me now? That's much better. Much better. Hello. Can you hear Perfect. us? Perfect. Yeah, I can. Yeah, a little bit echoey, but uh, it's not the best of places I'm in to talk. So, uh, you you are in the you are from the UK, but you are in the US now. Is that correct? Yeah, I'm actually right next to the World Trade Center at the moment, having coffee. So, oh wow! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I'm in McDonald's pinching their Wi-Fi. So, <laughs> <laughs> so let me ask you this: I mean, you are next to the World Trade Center. I mean. How is that for you? I mean, as 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 a medium and a, as a communicator, I mean that there's a lot of tragedy right there. A lot of it's kind of yeah. Well, strange you should say that. I've just been really walking around and sort of trying to see things and feel things in a different way. It's but the, the, the strange thing is, like the actual people overwhelm the atmosphere here. It's so busy and the roads are so busy and everything's being built. And, it, it just sort of floods it. You, you can't really sort of. You, you can feel something. I, I felt more people running away than anything. It was the, the I sort of felt a lot of fear of people running here. That that was the main thing I felt. You know, it's like uh-huh. God, these people running through these streets, and you couldn't imagine it. It's so busy here, and it's it's impossible. But, but I just yeah. came down here for a break because, you know. Yeah, you know what's interesting, Andrew, and you kind of bring up a good point is is you've got the the two things. I mean, you've got that tragedy of the World Trade Center uh, where all those people died, yet you have all those, you know, thousands and thousands of people all around you with their own energy and everything else. So I I imagine that is very conflicting. Yeah, I I really think so. I've not come across it very much, but it's just uh, so overwhelming, busy, sort of electric. Here, you know, of course, lunchtime is with Wall Street, and it's just the streets are absolutely. Hello? This place, but there's skyscrapers going up all around it, so it's just, it's just mayhem. <laughs> it, it makes Times Square seem a little bit quiet. You know? Yeah, you're breaking up on us, unfortunately. We're losing a little bit of here. So. Okay. Uh, never mind. Okay, I've got full signal here, so I guess it's just the vagaries of Skype and Wi-Fi. You know. Uh, would it be easiest for to call you on the phone? Uh, yeah, if you want to. I mean, are you calling from the US then? Yeah, we are in the US. Yeah. Oh well, that'd be fine. Yeah, do you want my number? Uh, 
Uh, why don't you give that into the uh, the um, uh, what do you call that? The the chat and Skypes. Can you give put it in, and then the producer will call you if you heard me. Uh, hello. Oh, I'm still here. Okay. Okay. You're still there. Yeah. Okay. So there we go. Message. Okay, so there he goes. Uh, that's that's a shame. For those who don't know, Andrew Grant is is from the UK, and he he now lives in the US, and and he's an amazing uh, spirit communicator. He's also uh, what I understand from Nari, the probably the the best trans medium that she's ever seen. Is isn't that right, uh, Steve? And uh, Nori does does speak very very highly of Andrew. Um, it was interesting he's talking about the World Trade Center because uh, prior to me coming out to see you, uh, we spent forty eight hours in New York, and mm-hmm. one of the one of the things uh, places obviously that we did go to visit was Ground Zero, and the new uh, Freedom Tower World One World Trade Center, mm-hmm. uh, where where the exhibitions and the memorials are, um, and the museum, which is. It's probably open now. It was due to open, I think, while we were there. Mm-hmm. And, it, you know, I'm no psychic, but I think there is a palpable atmosphere. And I think, you know, there are, while we were there, there, there were thousands of people going to see the memorials. Mm-hmm. And I think there's a sort of inevitability. You know, you appreciate what, what took place there not very many years ago. And within the memory span of, of us all, you know, I remember seeing the television pictures. Uh, I remember you know, all of the aftermath of 9/11, and then to actually go to the place where it took, you know, where it would happened, and to see aircraft flying over, airliners actually flying over the World Trade Center, um, it was quite a sobering experience. And I think right. you'd have to be made. Of, I, I think you'd have to be made of rock not to be touched by it in some way. Hello. Hello, Andrew. How are you? Yeah, I'm good. I'm good. Can you hear me better? Uh, yes, yes. We should, the other one, you were breaking up on us, so I do apologize. And, and uh, you know, we'll definitely have you back on the show again. To sort of yeah, that's not a problem. I apologize for it. Uh, in fact, if if you would, would you rather have it like, re, re, uh, do the show? No, see, I can't hear you now. Okay. Andrew, Andrew, why don't why don't we why don't we Andrew, why don't we um, reschedule you reschedule you, okay? Yeah, I think so. I'm really having trouble hearing you now, so my apologies. Okay, Andrew, that's that's all right. We we'll be fine. Uh, thank you so much anyway, and I will reschedule you. All right. Okay. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, thank you. Have a great day and have a good show. Yeah. Bye bye. Thank you, Andrew. Okay. Um, all right. So that was Andrew Grant. Uh, unfortunately, he's in a bad location, so we, we can't get him in. I do want to talk to him. As I mentioned before, Nori Miles uh, believes he is the best transmedium she's ever seen. And, and for those who don't know what a transmedium is, uh, you know, of course, it's, it's Maureen Wood, who I work with, and uh, a fellow that, well, actually left Most Haunted before you got on there. That would be Derek Akora, correct? I. 
Derek is. I, I would say Derek. Derek does trance, but I think. Well, we'll. I don't want to give too much away, but I think we should just wait a few weeks and ask him. And find out. Okay. Okay. I think that's a good idea. But you know, I, I had never even uh, you know met a trans medium before until I met Maureen, and you know, I thought it was kind of you know what the hell is this? And but uh, you know, it, it's amazing at time if you ever see a real good one in work working. Uh, it, it's pretty amazing. Uh, that's all I can say. And um, but it's certainly interesting. So when you did this Japanese film thing, let's go back to that a little bit. Uh, okay. There was there was no mediums involved. This was strictly scientific. I, I hate I, I guess I hate do we use the word scientific on it or it was science focused. Uh, there were no mediums, but that isn't to say that you know you can't in in uh, involve a medium in the uh, investigation of a spontaneous case because what you're actually investigating is a human experience. You're not looking for ghosts as such. You are there because people have said that they have uh, had an experience that they can't explain. That might be visual. It might be one of the other senses involved. Mm-hmm. And there is a history throughout psychical research of uh, you know, a- approaching the problem from, a, from a, an objective perspective, measuring things and observing things with equipment, so using cameras and thermometers and, and, and other, other tools, and also approaching it from, from, a, from the human subjective uh, angle, taking people who are sensitive, who claim to be mediumistic or, or psychic, um, and having their, their input into it too. Um, on the occasion that we filmed with the Japanese, we didn't use, we didn't use that technique. But that technique, I think, has a place um I, I i think there are many groups that perhaps overemphasize the role of the psychic and the medium um within the investigation process mm-hmm. uh, they are another human being and I, you know personally and within our group um we 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 give their testimony testament uh, I- exactly the same weighting as we give any other person's Right, um, but we still take we still take great note of it. You know, we we don't dismiss it, we don't ridicule it because it, it's you know because they're psychic. But we don't also at the same time go, oh wow, you're psychic. What you say must be more important. And I think that impression really the wrong impression of mediums on on, on investigations comes from programs like Most Haunted, and they were amongst the first television programs and the first public uh, realization that that mediums. Uh, were involved in ghost hunting because traditionally mediums, um, spiritualists, trance mediums operated within the seance room and spoke direct to spirit. They didn't go into haunted houses. That was something that you know they they didn't do. They weren't involved in that aspect of of the the search for truth. Mm-hmm. Uh, but in television land, of course, you know, having somebody go, well, I'm sitting here with my camera and nothing's happening, and I'm measuring the temperature and nothing's well, happening. I actually it's not very entertaining. The, the, the music is on, so we have to take a break yeah. right now. So, anyways, uh, you're listening to Ghost Chronicles International right here on Tojanet, Pararex, Ghost Channel, and beyond, hopefully. And I am Bronson Kesson live from Mini Me. So, we'll be right back after the following messages.
Welcome to Toginet, radio with a cutting edge. Feel the need to do some soul searching or make some changes in your life to create a more positive future? Then Circles of Wisdom is just the place for you. Circles of Wisdom is a metaphysical bookstore and more, located on Route 28 in downtown Andover, Massachusetts. We carry a large selection of books and music, crystals and gemstones, jewelry and gifts, sage, aromatherapy, and so much more, all in a relaxing and welcoming atmosphere. We offer classes on a variety of topics like yoga, Reiki, psychic development, alternative healing, and personal transformation. For guidance on this journey we call life, get a reading from one of our many readers at Circles of Wisdom, 90 Main Street in downtown Andover, right next to Bertucci's. Call us at 978-474-8010 or check us out on the web at www.circlesofwisdom.com. Lots to see and do in a feel-good place, an oasis in this hectic world. They're creepy and they're kooky, mysterious and spooky. They all talk ugly kooky, the Parax family. The shows are paranormal, not stuffy but informal. The topics are abnormal, the Parax family. They're strange, deranged, unrestrained. So grab your favorite brew, it's time to rendezvous as we give awards to the Bear Eggs Family. Take 6,427. All right. Hi, I'm Ron Kolick, author and lead investigator of the New England Ghost Project, New England's own Van Helsink. And I'm Ann Kerrigan, the blonde bombshell, and I'm the lead investigator of East Bridgewater's Most Haunted. And we'd like to invite you to tune in. Ghost Chronicles, the next generation. Every Wednesday night at 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on www.toginet.com. So, so yeah, what are they going to hear on this stupid show? What are they going to hear? They are going to hear things that they can't believe are happening. Like uh, Beyond Bizarre. And cemetery tripping. Oh, that's your deal, right? Absolutely. Yeah, one of these days you're going to get uh, so scared of one of these cemetery tripping things that uh, you'll, I'll have to get a new co-host. <laughs> I am brave beyond belief. Nothing yeah, we'll see. scares me. Except so anyways, if you're bored and you got nothing to do on Wednesday night, tune in to Ghost Chronicles Next Generation with Anne and Ron. See you then. <laughs> And the pitter-patter of Ron's achy-breaky heart brings us back into part two of Ghost Chronicles, The Lost Generation. No, You're listening right. live to, to us, I hope, or you might be listening to the podcast on Togginet, ParaX, the Ghost Channel on Beyond, or iTunes, or the TuneIn app, and half a hundred other ways of listening to, to us. And before the break, we were talking about mediumship and investigation. Yes, we were yeah, Andrew uh, Grant, but unfortunately we had a bad connection, so we will reschedule those. If him, uh, yeah, yeah, and so. I let, and and I inadvertently let slip that we could ask Derek Acora whether he's a channeler or a trans medium live in a few weeks' time. Okay, I'm not touching. I'm not still. I'm not saying. Well, you're that. not. You're not doing that show then. Okay, fair enough. <laughs> Anyway, <laughs> so the, the transmedium thing is interesting. Uh, a lot of people say that, you know, if, if you use a medium in an investigation, okay, and they tell you something, and yeah. uh, someone will be there with them, and they'll say, 
Oh, well, I didn't see anything or I didn't hear anything. But then again, when you think about it, uh, the witnesses that you get, you certainly weren't there when they witnessed it or heard anything. So, uh, you know, it's not really much difference between the two. Uh, Well... You know, it, that's that's one possible explanation. I'm I'm just struggling to um, go back through. You know, sort of my hero. Uh, you, we we've talked Me? many times. Yeah, you. Yeah. Many times in the past about a guy called uh, Mr. Price. Harry Price. Harry Price. Um, and pardon. True Detective. Uh, the, the 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 greatest ghost hunter, in my opinion, of them all, and he he made a he made a very interesting uh, statement um, regarding mediums. And if you talk amongst yourself, here we go. There are many. There, I'm sorry, it, it goes on a little bit, but I think in in the context of of the show, I think uh, as we haven't got a guest, I'm going to hog two minutes. Yeah. Uh, this is, this is Harry from his memoirs, uh, Leaves from a Psychist's Casebook, which he wrote in 1933. There are many phases of alleged mediumship. There are mediums who photograph spirits, mediums who whisper through trumpets, mediums who materialize, and mediums who dematerialize, mediums who produce messages from the Summerland, mediums who will call up anyone from Julius Caesar to your Aunt Jane, mediums who are hypnotic, mediums who are despotic, and mediums who are erotic. There are mediums who become entranced, mediums who see spirits, mediums who paint spirits and mediums who drink spirits, mediums who are clairvoyant, mediums who are clairaudient and mediums who are incoherent, mediums who cover themselves with glory and mediums who cover themselves with cheesecloth, mediums who pray for you and mediums who prey on you, mediums who produce teleplasm, ectoplasm and psychoplasm, mediums who are spellbound and mediums who are spellbinders mediums who are reported, and mediums who are occasionally and should be deported, mediums who petrify and mediums who terrify, mediums who have lights, mediums who have fights, and mediums who are frights, mediums who levitate, mediums who disintegrate, mediums who regurgitate, mediums who prevaricate, and mediums who scintillate. And then he goes on to say, and it is one of the last names that he's going to write about. Now, Harry... It sounds like when you're reading that, that Harry actually is coming down hard against fraudulent mediumship and saying that, you know, all mediums are are, uh, faking and hoaxing. Mm -hmm. In actual fact, the the first 299, 329 pages of the book is Harry talking about several uh, instances where he tested mediums like the Schneider brothers uh, Willie, Rudy, uh, Eusapia Palladino, um, and others, where he actually attests to the, to the quality of their mediumship under controlled test conditions. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then he does come down and say, the vast majority of them, of course, are raving mad. Raving mad? Does he say that or you say that? Um, well, if you, again, talk amongst yourselves, there's... Right at the start of the book, he he sort of introduces mediumship, um, and you know, for, I, I don't think people actually realise that Harry Price um, has a sense of humour. He talks about uh, dealing with mental mediums, uh, physical mediums. You can test. You can you can 
handcuff them. You can tie them to things. You can put them in special suits to prevent them from ectoplasm out of them. You can, you know, to stop them pulling ectoplasm out of bodily orifices. Um, But he talks about it is, of course, more difficult to unmask a mental medium than a physical. If a clairvoyant in a real or alleged trance tells you he is standing. he sees standing by your side the spirit of your great-grandmother wearing a red dress and a green hat. You cannot disprove that statement. You can only test what he says concerning dates, names, times, and places. And if you are impressed with the intimate details of your life that the medium appears to have acquired, there still remains the question of whether the medium has secured this information from your subconscious mind by telepathy or by some other obscure mental process. The miracle that has impressed you does not prove the medium was really in communication with your grandmother. Okay. So it comes down to, and and he stresses several times within the book, and of course, I I think we've discussed this on on previous occasions, the fact that uh, people see ghosts, the fact that mediums can communicate with apparent discarnate entities is not necessarily um, linked to or proof of survival of death. The mechanisms might be entirely different. Oh, that's an interesting thought. I mean, if they're not, they, oh, what would they be connecting to? Well, it, it could, as, as, as Price said there, uh, one of the possibilities is the medium could actually be mind-reading. Hmm. Um, or it could be thought transference, which was an idea put about um, by by um, members of the, the uh, some proponents of the Society for Psychical Research. Other people, of course, do say that it is you know evidence of survival because only the information that the information that's coming through was not known to a living soul, and that did appear to be the case with um, Eileen Garrett, the a British medium who later found it went to move to America and founded the Parapsychology Foundation, and an incident that involved the R101 airship, where the commander of the airship, right. Irwin, uh, apparently communicated through Garrett at a sale. Yeah, yeah, I remember discussing this many times. Giving sure. giving right. top secret information. Right. Now, it could be argued that 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 information could only have come from the deceased entity. Irwin, mm-hmm. but it could also be suggested that it could be uh, again from the deceased entity, but in the in the shape of a thought form left behind after he died that right. Garrett was tuning into. So, so he's he's gone. So it doesn't demonstrate survival. It demonstrates uh, survival of thought. And you know, if you go out far enough into into the well, service, let me let me ask you. I know, I, I know what you're saying there. I know what you're saying, but let me ask you this. I mean, how is it any more valid that we use improbable answers to our questions? So it's, we, we will try to dis or debunk or whatever you want to say, mediumship, by using something that is totally Im, uh, improbable and, and, and as much as it is being a medium. I mean, we're using something that is not proven anywhere. And we, yeah, we're using that as a logical answer to something that we can't answer. Now, that's a, mis- that's a mistake um, 
that many people make. People think, and in fact, no, you're absolutely perfectly correct. It has been offered forward um, by some people as a counter-alternative explanation, uh, debunking the idea of survival. In right. actual fact, it's an alternative hypothesis that, that can be put forward. Um, in itself, it would still be within the realms of the paranormal because we... we exactly. You know, um, so if you're going to say... Uh, and I, I've seen it happen where people will say, no, of course, the, there's no such thing as survival and, and uh, an afterlife. You're merely, you're merely using telepathy and linking with you know, the thoughts of, of somebody who's passed over. Well, that in itself is equally you know, as interesting and as fascinating from, mm-hmm. a, inter- from, you know, from a, a research point of view. Right. Now, to offer it as an alternative hypothesis as a suggestion of what might be taking place then allows people to explore that possibility by exactly. experiments that is but 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 evp steve don't they say okay well you're actually the person uh collecting evp is actually putting their thoughts on the on the tape isn't that one of the, one of the one of the that's, answers to EVP? That's one of the hypotheses that, that have been put forward. Well, see, it's used in, in some cases more than a hypothesis. It, yeah, it yeah. Because that. what what tends to happen is that you will get a, a a person trying trying desperately to debunk something that they that they find implausible. For mm-hmm. example, the existence of ghosts, and they replace it with something that, to their mind, is more plausible, but is equally unproven Um, instead of offering it merely as a hypothesis one of the one of the problems with um you know a skeptic can explain anything away and i think you know an an objective observer will realize at some point that the explanation is sounding more implausible by the moat by the minute and that they should offer the hypothesis and then shut up well, I mean, that doesn't we always go always go back to Karen O'Keefe's uh, on Most Haunted about those those bugs that he was talking about? It, it, the famous supersonic fly. Yeah, the supersonic fly. Right? But, you know, called upon, you've got to say something in the heat of the moment. You know, he's got to offer uh, a sceptical perspective, which is what his role on the show was, and indeed mine. Um, and Kieran made the, made the supersonic fly suggestion. Um, I, I, it it was implausible. Uh, but while you've been talking, you're talking about survival again. Uh, Price says, "Will survival ever be proved scientifically? If oh, survival is a if survival is a fact, then it will. If a man who had died really came back so that he could be questioned at leisure and cross-examined on his earth life and identity, then survival would be proved. But mere messages from the dead are unsatisfactory because we cannot discount telepathy." coincidence, the knowledge obtained by the subconscious mind and information obtained through other normal channels. So what Price is saying is we have to literally go through and eliminate all of the different possibilities mm-hmm. or, or, or ideas. Now, one of the possibil- some of the possibilities you can't eliminate. You can't eliminate the telepathy one because we don't have... Uh, right. There are there are tests. I mean, parapsychology does test um, telepathy. Um, right. But but 
Do we, even, do we even know range of telepathy? For instance, say te- no. telepathy existed, then we would have to know the range of it. I mean, could you be on the other side of the world and still think of well, thoughts? Well, here's, here's an interesting, here's an interesting uh, hypothesis. Okay. If, if, and, and there are parapsychologists and scientists who do accept the concept, the idea that uh, telepathy in some form exists. They accept that. And, and some of the experiments do strongly suggest that that might be the case. Now, I would, I would then offer the hypothesis, well, if we accept that the medium can communicate with the living mind and mind, effectively mind-read the sitter, mm-hmm. why can't the medium, is it not equally likely that the medium can also disconnect, uh, connect with the deceased mind, the memory? Okay. So it has to be, you know, another possibility. They might have been talking to the memory or Garrett might have been receiving the memory, the thought memory of Irwin. His last thoughts, which he's left behind as a floating off on the ether, like a radio broadcast from the 1930s. Right. Still drifting around out there. And Garrett might have picked that up. But that doesn't mean to say that Irwin is still floating around in the ether is an intelligent entity. And, and they're going to tell you that because, because, for instance, most mediums do not have that long conversation with the, the, the dead person. They only get bits and pieces. And they're very similar to uh, radio waves. They do degrade after a while. And so that may be what we're getting, you know, thought waves from a deceased person that has degraded uh, after a while. Oh, it's, it's also the fact that we never get any substantive information. We we get. Uh, I'm getting the well, message. Well, I mean, I, you know, if you if you someone who's going to a medium and, and had a medium reading in their gallery or or one on one, and they'll walk away and they will swear absolutely on their mother's grave that they connected to whoever that was, and they gave them yeah. information only that they would know. Uh-huh. So. And when you act, but if you look at the information afterwards, if you if you have a videotape or a recording of that session, mm-hmm. um, what you what you more often than not find is that the medium is saying, "I'm getting you know, uh, it's a male figure. I'm getting the letter uh, J or or, or I. Mm-hmm. Uh, can anybody take that, please? Uh, I have a I have a, a uh, it, it, you know my my father's called John." So what you find is, in actual fact, the person is giving the medium a great deal of information, almost almost unconsciously, inadvertently. Right. Now, that's that's not to say that, you know, I'm not saying that there isn't communication between the medium and something else. Mm-hmm. But when you do analyze the footage of people going to gallery or platform readings, as we call them in the UK, you do find, and I've seen it with my own eyes many, many times, uh, because I, I, I've gone to to see mediums at gallery and spiritualist churches um, and one-to-one readings. And what you find is that if you're, the person gives away a great deal of information. In fact, um, there's, there's, I, ha- I have a book uh, which was brand new, brand new to the library this week, written, by, uh, written in 1927. It's called How to Go to a Medium, a manual of instruction for sitters. Oh, really? Uh, and it's, it's designed because um, it's an attempt, I'll quote it, it is an attempt to fill a gap in the literature of spiritualism uh, because 
Uh, he said, the author is constantly reminded the fact that visitors have had no short textbook which may be of an assistance to them in their practical inquiries into spiritualism or visiting a medium. And it's a book basically of cautions, how to approach the medium, uh, how you respond to the questions in order that you don't cue them up and you know, give, give away all of the information. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, I mean, what's interesting is there are mediums, uh, you know, documented mediums. I think it was the uh, Neapolitan medium, Eusapia Palladino, who actually said to the researchers, tie me up, because if I get an opportunity, I will cheat. Hmm. That's interesting. Now, I had an interesting guest on the show, Morning Edition, yesterday, and she relayed to me a story, and I think you're going to like it because it concerns Orbs. So I, I know that you love Orbs. So. I, I, uh, I love them. I adore them. Yeah. Uh, so anyways, this, uh, this, this young lady uh, had a daughter, and the daughter would see this shadow all the time. And then she would start relaying information from the shadow person who, who would be seen sometimes when – the mother was there sometimes when the mother wasn't there, but it was like an imaginary friend. To them. But the information uh, that um, was given was all about her grandfather who had passed before this child was born. And a lot of the things were like his pet name, what they would call, call them. And, and like, for instance, he was in a fire and that came through. And, and this was all things that the mother didn't even know. She actually had to call her mother to find out if any of this made any sense to them. And then eventually they were on a family outing one time at the beach and the, the little child said, uh, Bumper is here, which is the grandfather. And, and they said, where? Right here. And they took a picture of the time. And then they, of course, got an knob on the picture. And they blew the orb up, and guess what they got? They got a picture on a face on the the orb, and they all swear it's their grandfather. And to them, that's uh, uh, you know very much the proof that they needed that he was there. So I mean, how do you look at that and and totally discount it or not, or not discount it? I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't because uh, if they came to me, if they approached me and said. Um, what what do you think that this that this picture shows or represents? Right. Um, You'd say it's an orb and it's rubbish. I, well, no, I would obviously <laughs> no, far from it. I would I would I would first of all ascertain by asking them, uh, you know, what when was the picture taken? What did it show? And from that, you know, I would I would get the 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 impression that they were getting a great deal of comfort and and uh, and uh, you know sort of. Personal belief. Uh, belief from that. Now, would it be morally or ethically correct of me to then go, that's dust? Mm-hmm. That's a trick of the camera. Mm-hmm. But what I could say is to say that um, the effect that you're showing me on that picture could be reproduced normally by, for instance, dust. Mm-hmm. And that is my belief. Uh, that it, in, it is the most likely case. And what about the face that that so resembles the grandfather? Well, if they tell, if they if they draw, you see, I'm led by the person, so that if they right. ask me, so what if they produce? What if they produce a picture of the grandfather and you looked at it and there was quite a resemblance between the two? Well, 
there, there are there are mechanisms for for testing that resemblance because there is software available where mm-hmm. you can you can map a face you can take measurements of of the different uh, uh, dimensions of a face the, the ratios between the eyes and the nose and the ears and all those mm-hmm. other and so you could actually test that idea uh, does it represent the the the, fa- the grandfather well let's let's test it um, then. <laughs> After testing it, you could give them an informed opinion. Right. But I don't think morally or ethically, uh, unless I was specifically asked outright to you know, uh, what what you know what it represents. If it was if it was on a ghost hunt and somebody thrust a digital camera into my into my face and uh, or at uh, a castle in the U.S. Yeah, and said. What do you you know? What's this? Then you can comfortably because you're not dealing with you know you're not dealing with uh, any of their sort of beliefs uh, in, in terms of them seeking succor and comfort from it being their grandfather. Mm-hmm. So you can turn around and go, well, you know, uh, we've done some experiments and <laughs> that's an explainable normal phenomena. Um, so you know, don't worry about it. Take the picture, move on, go and look for real ghosts or real phenomena. But when somebody comes up to you with a picture saying, this picture means the world to me, it is, you know, it is my comfort blanket because my grandfather passed into spirit and this was his way of coming back, then as a responsible human being, first and foremost, before an investigator, I could say to them, That's, you know, thank you for sharing that with me. Um, are you aware that there are other possible uh, explanations as to, as to why that might take place seeing as you asked me um, it might for example be dust that could replicate that, that type of picture but mm-hmm. you know it might be a special picture for you it gives you comfort right. I mean, frame it, times, take it away how many times have we say especially in the United States we will we'll have a stain in a window and People will swear that it's the Blessed Virgin Mary. They'll create a shrine there, and they'll go and they'll pray there. They'll bring people to be healed there. And and who are you or I to tell them not to? Right. I mean, that's... See, one of the things that I see a lot of, on, on particularly on, on social media lately, is there are there are one or two Facebook pages now or bloggers who are coming to this idea of. Uh, Skeptical ghost hunting. They call themselves ghost geeks or skeptical investigators, etc. etc. And oh, occasionally, you, you, you see the videos of you know, there was a ghost in a British pub quite recently on, on yeah, video, absolutely. and you see video footage. Yeah. yeah. Now, I see the pictures, I look at the video footage, and I go and make a cup of tea. These people feel absolutely obliged to say something about the picture, offering suggestions from it's Pepper's ghost. It's it's a trick of the light to this. Yet they're saying that simply because they're they're maintaining their position because they feel that they have to say something about it. Now, my position is: if you bring me a photograph or email me a photograph and ask me opinion, and ask me for my opinion, then I will give you my honest opinion and an appraisal of the picture. But I won't come up to you and debunk your picture just because it makes me feel good. I, well, don't think that, that's, I don't think that, that's morally or ethically fair. Right. That sounds, I don't know if that's tunes or, 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 or the, 
It sounds like the pizza bell, which means we have two minutes left. Uh, yeah. So there we go. Okay. So anyways, that was uh, the doorbell pizza from the dead. But what, one thing it's interesting is they're so quick to comment on a picture yeah. or, or a video without really having any firsthand knowledge of the video, only well, what's posted on multimedia. Because what they're, more, what they're really doing is maintaining their own status their their own ego their you know i'm a skeptical person people read my blog therefore i've got to say something i've got to be seen to say something whereas a real a real investigator would sit back and you know there are hundreds of these pictures there are hundreds of these videos appearing week in week out uh look at them don't <laughs> i'm not going to give you my opinion unless i'm asked for it because you don't want my opinion unless you ask for it and i've got to be aware that my opinion you know, it might have an effect on 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 you as a as an individual. If that picture is your comfort blanket, then do I have the right to take that away? Mm-hmm. Just in the interest of me being better than you, or me knowing more than you? I don't think I do. Mm-hmm. I can offer you the alternative hypothesis as a suggestion for you to go away and consider, but I don't think I have the right just to ridicule you and poo-poo your picture. Right. So. Anyways, I, I look at, I mean, I like looking at, at some of the videos and stuff because and, I think they're cool. I mean, some of them I have my own opinions on, but, you know, I'm not going to go and comment on them unless I'm asked to. Uh, but, you know, I like some of them and some of them look, you know, pretty cool and they're interesting and, and you try in your own little mind to figure yeah. them out. And, uh, and and that's what I like to say is is I when I look at a, a photograph I don't like, or a video, I don't like to say I, I'm debunking it. I like to say I'm trying to figure it out. I'm trying to understand yeah. it. Trying to figure yeah. out what's going on. I think that's. I think that's a healthy approach. I think that's an, a, a, a sound, objective, healthy approach. Anyways, and that's two. And it's time we'll to say right sayonara. Up. Yeah, I know. That's uh, yeah. So, anyways, <laughs> we will reschedule uh, Andrew Graham, and uh, so stay tuned for that. Uh, he's an interesting man, and I'd like to speak with him. So, from uh, Mini Me's apartment, I'd like to say good night. God bless here in the U.S. And good night, Sayonara from the UK. From goalies to ghosties, long leggedy beasties, and things that go bump in the night. Deliver us. Good Lord.